TAPTO 8, BEING According to the Eliadic visitor and Plato's sophist, Being, Usia, was of sufficient philosophical importance to his predecessors to have instigated, quote, something like a battle of gods and giants among them, end quote. Shortly thereafter, being qua being, to on he on, was identified in Aristotle's metaphysics as the issue at the heart of first philosophy. Nevertheless, there are central issues concerning being that are not recognized by any Greek philosopher, indeed not identified until the 13th century in some works by Thomas Aquinas. As explained more fully below, after Aquinas, these issues are recognized only quite sporadically. They are, however, a focus of the SSP, wherein their importance is indicated by the inclusion of the word being in the titles of the books Structure and Being and Being and God. This chapter sketches a theory of being that aims to improve on the theories of being sketched in those books by relying on a more refined language of being. 8.1 Articulating Being One centrally important reason for lack of sufficient clarity in philosophical treatments of being is that at least most of the language philosophers have relied on throughout the history of philosophy, emphatically including English, articulate being in a variety of ways. That they do adds needless and often misleading complications to this articulation. A first source of complications in ordinary English is the vocabulary available for the articulation of being. A second source is the structures of the sentences it provides for articulating being. Each of the following two subsections first identifies specific problems with ordinary English ways of articulating being, and then introduces refinements to the structural systematic philosophy's language that enables it to avoid these problems. 8.1.1, refinements of vocabulary. Three peculiar peculiarities of the words used by ordinary English to articulate being are of particular importance as far as philosophical articulations of being are concerned. The first peculiarity is that the word being has, most, rele most relevantly, the following distinct senses. First, a nominal sense in which being is roughly synonymous with entity, and two, a verbal sense in which being is roughly synonymous with existing in the sense articulated in the Oxford English Dictionary as, quote, the fact of belonging to the universe of things material or immaterial, end quote. Because the two senses are available, one can bo say both to be is to be a being and to be is to be being. Philosophical uses of the word being that do not clearly distinguish these senses or that do not make clear in all relevant cases which sense is intended require clarification. The second important peculiarity of words used in ordinary English to articulate being is that because the word is is so often used as a copula or on an alternative interpretation, as a component of predicates, as in is read or is human, such sentences as Fred is can appear to be incomplete. During the sentence Fred is, one might well wonder, Fred is what? Relatedly, the question does God exist is more readily intelligible than is the question is God, presumably in part because sentences ending with is so easily appear incomplete, what may, may be called the existential use of is is most commonly accompanied by there in the phrase, there is. Two footnotes. First, as explained in 8.3.4, in the language of, the, of TAPTO, or, or of TAPTO's version of the SSP, the domain of existence is a subdomain of that of being, which is comprehensive. Hence, in only some sentences of the form S is, can the is be replaced by exists without altering the truth value, whereas in all sentences of the form S exists, the exist can be replaced by is without altering the truth value. Nevertheless, for the sake of preliminary clarification, this section characterizes the use of is in any, form of any sentence of the form 
is S is, or there is such and such, as an existential use of is, to distinguish this from the copulative and predicative uses of is. Second footnote, compare French il y a, German esquit, Spanish I, and Italian che. It is interesting that French and Italian, like English, use phrases including words that are usually locatives, and that German and Spanish use verbs other than forms of their counterparts to to be, sein for German, ser and estar for, estar for Spanish. Because of these features, none of these expressions directly articulates being. In this phrase, there is, as in the phrase there are, the there does not perform its usually usual locative role. It instead signals that the is or are is existential rather than copulative or predicative. That English can express the existential of be sense of being by is, by exists, and by there is, with the first of these being the most problematic, introduces avoidable confusion. The third important peculiarity in ordinary English words used to articulate being is that several conjugated forms of the verb to be have roots different both from that of the infinitive and from those of one another. These include am, is, and are. Consequently, although any sentence using any of these words at least co-articulates being, the words themselves do not make that fully explicit. One way to improve talk about being using English is to introduce a capitalized version of the word, as being and God does, and to explicitly link that version to the existential sense of being. That, however, affords only the first of the three peculiarities just identified. But note, it can also introduce new problems, chiefly because capitalization is standard in English only for proper nouns, and being, at least in being in God, is not primarily nominal. End of footnote. Tapto therefore proceeds differently. First, instead of using the word being in a nominal sense, in which it is roughly synonymous with the word entity, it introduces for that sense the technical term beer, a word comparable to such ordinary language terms as runner, swimmer, writer, and philosopher. Important to emphasize is that just as running is not a runner, being is not a beer. Second, Tapto often uses be when ordinary English would require am, is, or are. That is, as the so Tapto uses be as the sole form of the verb to be in the simple present and as a component of present continuous verbs. Whether or not the sentence we be jamming is of use in Jamaican English, it is intelligible, as are, for example, I be talking, you be listening, and we be philosophizing. In the technical language of Tapto, there be human beers. Human beers be the beers that are human. Their mode of being be being human. Footnote. To decrease awkwardness, Tapto occasionally speaks of human beings, although human beers would be more accurate. End of footnote. Grammatically, Tapto's variants of parts of the verb to be make that verb much more regular than it is in ordinary English. Footnote, it remains irregular in not adding S to be in third-person singular uses. End of footnote. Philosophically, they enabled the book to directly and explicitly articulate being and its ubiquity, and thereby it is hoped to present a more powerful obstacle than does ordinary English to the tendency to what is called in various of Heidegger's works forgetfulness or oblivion of being. In other words, these changes are meant to make it harder for us to fail to notice the ubiquity of being, to notice that whenever we are speaking or thinking, we are speaking or thinking of being. 8.1.2, A Refinement of Semantically Significant Sentence Structures. Drawing on several works by Etienne Gilson, 
8.1.2 shows why the vocabulary introduced in 8.1.1 can make possible the direct and explicit articulation of being that is the strongest obstacle to the oblivion of being only if it is accompanied by a refinement of semantically significant sentence structures. A first step is taken with clarification of the ubiquity of being as articulable in theories. Theories are articulated as collections of indicative sentences and, as Gilson 1952 points out, speaking of affirmations rather than explicitly of indicative sentences, quote, the principal function of the verb is to affirm, and since affirmation remains the same, whatever may happen to be affirmed, a single verb should suffice for all affirmations. In point of fact, there is such a verb, and it is to be. If only spoken usage allowed it, we would never use any other one. Not I live or I sit, but I am living, I am sitting, and likewise in all other cases, end quote. If am living and am sitting are understood as present continuous verbs rather than, in, than as including copulative uses of am, then of course they are not forms of the verb to be, but even then they include forms of that verb and therefore co-articulate being. Moreover, additional distinctions are necessary, for example, between the likes of she be running and she be a runner, or more expansively, she be a beer who also more specifically be running right now, and she be a beer who also more specifically be a runner, even if not running right now. A consequence of the possibility of such reformulations is that every theoretical sentence can be made to co-articulate being. Yet, for reasons given in Gilson 1948, co-articulation of being has not sufficed historically to counter the oblivion of being. One reason for this is that the sentences considered in that text, like most sentences in English and in most other languages that have been used by philosophers, include semantically significant grammatical subjects. The relevant passage from Gilson 1948 mirrors detailed commentary, but brief remarks suffice for present purposes. But note, detailed commentary would show that what the text says about what it terms judgments of attribution and judgments of existence is not fully coherent. The remarks in the main text take some liberties with the text in order to achieve coherence. End of footnote. According to that text, altered to incorporate Tapto's language of being, being is most directly articulated in sentences of the form S, a semantically significant subject, B. Any such sentences articulates, quote, the composition of the subject with its act of being, it unites them in thought, as they are already united in reality, end quote. Footnote. To say that being, as the act of being, enters into composition with something else, the subject in the passage to which this note is, is appended, or the essence in the passage quoted just below in the main text, is to articulate being as non-comprehensive and thus to fail to recognize its ubiquity. The focus in this section is on semantic problems that would remain even if that failure were, was avoided. End of footnote. Yet although any such sentence unites them, the human intellect, the text tells us, tends to focus on the subject, the be-er, and thereby to neglect the act of being. In any such sentence, being is articulated only as included in the be-er, and that it is so articulated, quote, is often serious, to the point of sometimes being catastrophic, because, as history has made us see, the spontaneous conceptualism of ordinary thought tends constantly to reinforce the essence of the be-er to the detriment of its act of being. Let us also add that this fact is easily explained because the be-er has more than its being. Footnote, because of the ubiquity of being, no be-er can ever have more than its being. Anything more that it could have would have to be. 
whatever is truly said of any beer beyond that it be is not something other than its being, but instead a specification of its being. This is further clarified in what follows. End of footnote. Yes, back to the quotation from Jusson, let us also add that this fact is easily explained because the beer has more than its being, that is, it has its concept, which is the proper prey of, of reckoning reason. It always seeks definitions, end quote. Jusson 1948 recognizes as the only sentence form that articulate, sentence forms that articulate being, S is P and S is. As discussed above in various contexts, this structural systematic philosophy links its sentences and ontology not to sentence forms including semantically significant subject terms, but instead to sentences of the form it's such and such. This makes it easier to explicitly and exclusively articulate being itself, not being as included in any beer. This is done by the sentence it's being or it be being, whose only significant semantically significant term is its present continuous verb. But note, the it in such sentences is considered in 8.3.1. End of footnote. The decisive contributions this formulation makes to the structural systematic philosophy's theory of being are explained in greater detail in what follows, but one that links to Jusson 1948 is appropriately included here. According to that text, if a sentence of the form S is is understood as articulated being, it says, quote, not that the subject is itself, which is always true of everything, but instead that it is, which is not true, and moreover not always, except for some, end quote. As more fully explained in what follows, the structural systematic philosophy sentence, it be being, is always true. That it is, is a first indication of the primacy of being. 8.2, theories of being and theories of beers. Most theories throughout the history of philosophy that theoretical frameworks relying on ordinary English would classify as theories of being are, in Tapto's language, theories of beers. Moreover, in this terminology, and more broadly in that of the SSP, theories of beers are ontologies. Theories of beers are concisely summarized by sentences of the form to be a beer is to be X, with X replaced by one or more nouns with appropriate articles. Most ontologies, both historically and at present, hold that to be a beer is to be either a thing or object or substance or an attribute of a thing, a property, or in some variance a relation. The structural systematic philosophy's ontology holds instead, as discussed above in various contexts, that to be a beer is to be a fact or, in Tapto's technical term, a factum. In what follows, clarity is served by speaking of frameworks for theories of beers that include thing or substance ontologies as whatness frameworks because at least the most prominent members of that family of frameworks include identifiable versions of the thesis of the primacy of whatness, that is, the thesis that every beer is primarily its whatness. But note, whether in whatness frameworks the whatness of a given thing is an essence shared by other things, or instead the specific thing in its individuality, can be difficult to determine, but it is not of importance to tap-toe, because in no such framework is being intrinsic either to whatness as universal or to whatness as individual. The confusion of universal and individual senses of whatness stems most clearly from Aristotle. See Zeller, 1897, 329 to 39, or Bremond, 1933, 32 to 42. End of footnote. 
In Aristotelian frameworks, the problem of being is not recognized, so the primacy of whatness is the primacy of substance over at least accidental attributes. According to such frameworks, Alan White is, is primarily either a human being, essence, or the specific human being that he is, individual, but he must be that whatness in order to be, at some specific time, sitting rather than standing. Far later than Aristotle, Thomas Aquinas takes an important step in recognizing, at least sporadically, the primacy of being over whatness, but, as Gilson 2002 indicates, he has important predecessors. Quote, Other philosophers had preceded Thomas along this path, and all of them helped him to follow it through to the end, particularly those among them who clearly raised the problem of being. Al-Farabi, Al-Ghazel, Al-Avicenna among the Arabs, Moses Maimonides among the Jews, had already noted the truly exceptional position that being occupies in relation to essence. What seems to, to have especially intrigued these philosophers is that, however far you push the analysis of essence, being must be added to it in some way from outside as an extrinsic determination conferring on it the act of being. These philosophers started from essence, and using analysis they sought to discover being within it, but they could not find it there. Hence their conclusion, being was extraneous to essence as such. So Al-Farabi concludes, quote, being is not a constituous constitutive factor, it is only an accessory accident. End of Al-Farabi quote, also end of Gilson quote. As this passage makes clear, these predecessors moved beyond Aristotle in positing the primary primacy of whatness not only over attributes, but also over being. Yet if what is called being is extraneous to essence, then essence is extraneous to what is called being. If, however, essence is and is extraneous to what is called being, then what is called being is not being in its ubiqu ubiquity. Additional steps must be taken. As indicated above and considered in somewhat more detail below, some of those steps are detectable in various works by Thomas Aquinas, although, as shown in Being and God 1.3.2, those works contain no theory of being. Moreover, those works' articulations of being were not widely influential. Indeed, as shown in Gilson 1952, quote, the genuine meaning of the Thomistic notion of being is, around 1729, completely and absolutely forgotten, end quote, thanks chiefly to the dominant influence of Suarez. A revival of so-called existential Thomism developed in, develops in the 1930s and is sufficiently developed by the 1950s that Clark 1955 includes the following announcement. Quote, what is now widely known as the existential interpretation of Thomistic metaphysics has definitely come of age. By existential, I mean that interpretation which sees in the act of existence, capto being, the source of all perfection and intelligibility, hence the center of gravity of St. Thomas's whole philosophy. As speculation and text work proceed hand in hand, each illuminating the other, it is becoming more and more evident that this perspective is by no means some short-lived fad borrowed from the contemporary existentialist movements and superimposed extrinsically on St. Thomas's own thought, but rather that it is one that one luminous center, center in the light of which alone the total body of St. Thomas's text takes on full intelligibility and coherence, end quote. Fad or not, the revival appears to have been relatively short-lived. Footnote, it has not utterly disappeared. It remains evident, for example, in Blanchette, 2003, and Whipple, 2011, but both retain aspects of the domestic framework criticized in 2.5 in what follows in this chapter and in Being in God, 1.3.2. End of footnote. Back to the beginning of the sentence from which to which the footnote is appended. Fad or not, the revival appears to have been relatively short-lived, 
and certainly had no influence on the mainstream analytic philosophy that has been dominant since around the time of the revival. Worse yet, as the structural systematic philosophy shows, quote, the total body of St. Thomas's texts cannot take on full intelligibility and coherence, end quote, not only because the heart of the substance ontology relied on by those texts is unintelligible, see 2.5 above, but also, and more importantly for this chapter, because Although some of those texts recognize the primacy of being, none adequately articulates the ubiquity of being because in them, essence remains somehow distinct from being. See also being in God 1.3.2.2. The remainder of this section, however, focuses on semantic and ontological problems that would remain even if a variant developed within which essence was fully, even if a variant developed within which essence was fully intrinsic to being. The semantic and ontological problems endemic to Thomistic being frameworks are linked to the one identified in the passage from Gilson 1948 considered above. They arise from the at least tacit reliance of Thomistic frameworks on compositional semantics or, and on ontology strongly linked to semantically significant grammatical subjects and predicates. The semantic counterparts to both subjects and predicates are concepts such that, for example, the sentence unicorns are mythological links the concepts unicorn and mythological. The semantic status of being in such frameworks is problematic because there is no concept that is a counterpart of the word is or of the word are in any manner, manner comparable to that in which the concept unicorn is the counterpart of the word unicorn or the concept mythological of the word mythological. This makes both the semantic and ontological status of being obscure. Footnote, because being is not a beer, the ontological status of being is the status of being in relation to beers. End of footnote. Schilson 2002 addresses this problem by noting initially that, quote, being is the first of all concepts, end quote, because being is co-articulated in every sentence of the form S is or S is P, and as shown above, any indicative, sentences can be, any indicative sentence can be rewritten into a sentence with such a form. Being is also, however, however, quote, the most universal and abstract concept, the richest in extension and the poorest in comprehension, end quote. It is richest in extension because any beer can be articulated in such a sentence whose verb is is, but poorest in comprehension because sentences of the form S is can appear to say nothing specific about the beer that is said by the sentence to be. Because of this poorness in comprehension, Gilson 2002 voices the suspicion that we would need, quote, an intuition of being, end quote, or, quote, an intellectual intuition of being as being, end quote, in order to comprehend it, yet such an intuition would be inarticulable and thus would not make being conceivable. The book continues, quote, but reason dislikes what is inconceivable, and because this is true of being, philosophy does all it can to avoid it, end quote. Concerning the articulation of being, then, Thomistic frameworks faced first the at least sporadically avoidable problem that, because their sentences at best co-articulate being, they tend to place more emphasis on beers than on being, this problem is avoided by those who emphasize being, but those who do, even if they were also to recognize the ubiquity of being, would face in the insuperable obstacles to clarification of being posed by those frameworks, semantics, and ontologies. What is needed, then, if philosophy is to cease to avoid being, is not a new Thomistic theory of being, but instead a different theory of being. Footnote, although Heidegger's works speak at length of being, they do not provide a theory of being, because none relies on an adequately determinable determinable theoretical framework. See Being and God, Chapter 2. End of footnote.
8.3, Central Aspects of Tapto's Theory of Being, 8.3.1, The Ubiquity, Intelligibility, and Uniqueness of Beings. As indicated in various contexts above, the structural systematic philosophy rejects both compositional semantics and any ontology or semantics strongly linked to the structural components of subject-predicate sentences. It links its ontology and semantics instead to sentences with the structure, it's such and such. Because such sentences, technically sentencings, have no semantically significant substantential components, their semantics cannot be compositional. It is instead contextual, that is, one according to which words have determinate meanings only in the context of sentences. The semantic contents of sentencings and sentences are propositions, technically propositionings, and these semantic contents relate to the SSP's ontology such that every propositioning is identical to a factum. The absolutely comprehensive factum, comprehensive factum, its being, or it be being, is identical to the true propositioning, its being, or it be being, which is expressible by the true sentencing, its being, or it be being. Being, as articulated in the sentence, it be being, may appear to be, in Gilson 2002's terms, universal and abstract, but it is straightforwardly and transparently concretized by that sentence's expansion into the operator, it be being such that, which can govern any and every sentence that expresses a propositioning. An example, it be being such that it be Alan Whiting, such that it be revising its tap-toeing. A sentence, in, a sentence true as of the time of its composition. Hence, although being is a problematic intelligibility within the being frameworks considered and relied on in Gilson's works, because their semantic focus is on concepts and being has within them no clear conceptual status, within the framework of the structural systematic philosophy as presented in Tapto, being is directly articulated by a true sentencing that expresses a true propositioning identical to an actual facting. But note, Gilson 1948 is also instructive, quote, it is certain that the concept being, être, in French, is the only correct conceptual transcription of the meaning connoted by the verb is. Thus there is, in the meaning of the verb, something that cannot be conceptualized, but that we nevertheless have the impression of understanding. This amounts to saying that the order of understanding is vaster than is that of the concept, or, in other words, that it is possible to know that which is perhaps impossible to conceive of. Determining an object of this sort is not a new undertaking. The ways of accomplishing this are well known, and it is no doubt too late to imagine any new ones. End quote. Despite this passage's closing phrase, Tapto provides a new way of articulating being and what is, according to it, its, its intrinsic intelligibility. End of footnote. The uniqueness of being mentioned in this subsection's title is clarified by more detailed comparison of being with running running being simply one of a vast number of possible comparative items. Human beers are capable of running or, in slightly different terms, have the capacity to run. The human beer who runs is activating that capacity. That human beer be at work running, be engaged in running, whereas the human beer who sits retains the capacity to run while not activating it, while not engaged in running. In contrast, every human being, beer, who actually be, cannot avoid engaging in being cannot avoid being at work being. Any human beer not engaged in being would be a nearly possible human beer, like Barack Obama's first grandchild, who does not yet be at the time of Tapto's completion and may never be, or perhaps a human beer who, although having been, be no longer. Footnote, the perhaps is included in the sentence, 
which this note is attached, because the question whether, when human beings die, they cease to be, is one that systematic philosophy must address. See structure and being 4.5.3.4.3, end of footnote. Thus, whereas running is an ontological capacity because human beers, along with beers of many other kinds, can but need not be engaged in running, being is not a capacity because human beers, along with all other beers, have any capacities, activated or not, only if and when they be. This, then, is the most central way that the being of beers differs from all of their other engagements. Being is the engagement or being at work that is not an ontological capacity. Footnote. Classifying being as a mode of being at work or of engagement is meant to increase clarity, but it is potentially misleading. Strictly speaking, all of what Tacto calls beings at work or engagements are modes of being. That it be is requisite to every beer that be. End of footnote. The uniqueness of being among the engagement of beers is further illuminated by the phenomenon of cryopreservation. Some organisms, including human embryos and adult members of a few species of vertebrates, chiefly amphibians, can continue to be and to be the organism that they are when they are frozen. When they are frozen, all their metabolic processes cease. Hence, when they are frozen, they do not activate their capacities for aging or even for living in anything like the usual sense of living, although they are not dead. They are not dead because they remain, retain the capacity to live. They activate that capacity when they cease to be frozen. Even as frozen, then, they continue to be, to engage in being. But note, whether adult human beings, or indeed all organisms, have the capacity to cryopreservation, of cryopreservation is an empirical question that, at present, remains unanswered. End of footnote. An additional step leads, in a manner different from those introduced above, from the being of beers to be being itself. No organism has the capacity to bring itself into being, because before the organism is, the organism has no capacity. And yet, the coming into being of the organism reveals that it was possible that the organism come into being. The coming into being of the organism therefore reveals the capacity of being to be manifest, to manifest itself as that organism. The birth of the organism is being's reconfiguration of itself so as to include that organism. It is the emergence of the organism into and hence within being. For this reason, the gestation of the organism that grows into a salamander is also articulable as being engaging in salamandering. It be being such that it be salamandering. Salamandering is, of course, a peculiar word, but one whose inclusion in this book should not be surprising, given that one way to be, according to the SSB's ontology as presented in Tacto, is to be an actual facting identical to a true propositioning expressible by a true sentencing, such as, for example, it's salamandering. Further consideration of the it in this sentencing further clarifies the involvement of being and salamandering. On this topic, see also Being and God, 3.2.1.1. According to the Oxford English Dictionary, the it of its reigning and of its salamandering is, quote, the subject of an impersonal verb or impersonal statement expressing action or a condition of things simply without reference to any agent, end quote. The Oxford English Dictionary includes the following example. It has fared badly with the soldier. How is it in the city? It will soon come to a rupture between them. It is all over with poor Jack. It is very pleasant here, end quote. Resituated within the theoretical framework of the SSP as understood in TAPTO or as presented in TAPTO, none of these sentences can articulate conditions of things, but each can articulate, and intelligibly and coherently, configurations of being. That each can is revealed by the fact that each remains intelligible, although of course peculiar, 
if it's it is replaced with being. Being has fared badly with the soldiers. How is being in the city? Being will soon come to a rupture between them. Being is all over with poor Jack. Being is very pleasant here. Given its rejection of the semantics linked to subject predicate sentences, the SSP cannot, of course, identify being in any of these cases as the referent of the it that the word being replaces. Instead, it takes each it to indicate being, a configuration of which is articulated by the words that complete the sentence. Hence, alternative formulations of one of the sentences introduced above include being is no longer configuring itself such that it's jacking, and it's being such that it's no longer the case that it's jacking. A further step is taken following the introduction of a second instance of the impersonal it, and one that is of central importance to the structural systematic philosophy. This is the it of the theoretical operator, which has the forms it is the case that and it is true that. As explained more fully above, see 3.4-5, 6.3, and 6.3.1, prefixing the theoretical operator to any indicative, hence theoretical, sentence can make explicit the semantic status of that sentence. Hence, for example, the semantic status of it's raining, as asserted, is explicitly articulated in the sentence, it is a case that it's raining, or it is true that it's raining. As Bing and God explains, in terms of indicative function, the it of any sentencing, such as it's raining, and the it of the theoretical operator are not simply identical. The it of it's raining indicates a configuration of being at a specific spatiotemporal location. Because, however, the theoretical operator makes explicit the semantic status of any and every theoretical sentence, its scope is absolutely unrestricted. It thus indicates being as a whole. The example sentence is thus understood as following. Being as a whole is configured such that being here and now is configured such that raining is ongoing. Or it be being as a whole such that it being here and now such that it be raining. 8.3.2, being and whatness. Indicated above is that a central reason that being frameworks can be superior to essence or whatness frameworks is that whereas even in whatness frameworks that recognize being, being is extrinsic to essence or whatness, within being frameworks, essence or whatness can be for beers intrinsic to their beers. To show that in how, according to Papto, one, being is prior to the whatness of any beer, and two, whatness is intrinsic to the being of any beer, Papto introduces two examples, one of a biological beer's coming and ceasing to be, and one of an artificial beer's coming and ceasing to be. The biological example is a possible case of in vitro fertilization. Prior to fertilization, there are of central importance to this example two beers, thus two beers that be, that be engaged in being. These be a sperm cell and an egg cell. If fertilization occurs, egg and sperm will have ceased to be, and the zygote will have come to be. Much about specifically what that zygote will be, if it comes to be, is presumably determined by the genetic makeups of the sperm and egg cells. Yet no matter how great the extent to which what the zygote will be, if it comes to be, is determined by the genetics of the sperm and the egg, whether the zygote will come to be is not determined by those genetic features. If the zygote comes to be, it may be the only zygote it could have come to be in this situation, but it will be that zygote only when it comes to be. It is, after all, not the case that there is a zygote awaiting entry into being. Until the zygote be, there is no zygote. Footnote. Chilson 1948's talk of, quote, the essence that receives the act of being, end quote, results from the chronic failure of Thomistic frameworks to recognize the ubiqu ubiquity of being. 
It suggests that the essence before being nevertheless somehow is, such that it is capable of perceiving being. Blanchett, 2003, defends a version of the essence as receiver thesis, but does not avoid its problems. At one key juncture, the book argues as follows, quote, We have in the exercise of judgment a composition of precisely the kind that we claim is the case with B as an act distinct from its finite essence. It entails a second composition of acts of judging with a specific judging that includes a first composition of subject and predicate in a potential judgment as one of its members along with a proportionally limited act. The composition expressed in the terms of the judgment remains in potency, so to speak, to the proper act of judging, while the same composition limits the, this act in receiving it according to the second composition of that of the judgment as a whole, end quote. Pache this passage's opening sentence, the ontological status of the terms that receive the act of judgment in the case of actual judgment and of that act is utterly different from the putative ontological status of the finite essence that is said to receive the act of being and of that act. In the former case, there be a linguistically competent human beer to whom the terms usable in any contemplated judgment are already available. They already be as vocabulary items. So, unless a finite beer's finite essence and its act of being somehow be before the beer begins to be, and Blanchette 2003 denies that they precede it in being, Blanchette 2003's composite being is not comparable to its composite judgment. Finally, where it is clear that the human being who utters a judgment thereby brings that into being, Blanchette 2003 does not make clear who or what could accomplish the composition of essence and act of being, thereby bringing a beer into being. End of footnote. What there be, be one cell at work being a sperm cell and one cell at work being an egg cell. If fertilization occurs, it will be because egg and sperm have jointly reconfigured themselves into constituents of a new beer, the zygote. But this happens only when the beings at work of egg and sperm coalesce into a new being at work, that of the zygote. And of course, the organism that begins to be as a zygote will, under amenable circumstances, be vigorously, vigorously at work becoming a blastocyst, then a fetus, then a baby, and so forth. Considered somewhat differently, sperm and egg are both specific or restricted configurations of being, of being because they be, and specific or restricted because each has specific capacities, and lacks capacities had by other kinds of beers. Each has the capacity to be for some time, to unite with the other, and in so uniting, to be reconfigured or to reconfigure itself such that some of what had been its constituents become constituents of a zygote. They lack the capacity to be jointly reconfigured or to jointly reconfigure themselves into anything other than a zygote. If they unite, the zygote will come to be as a specific or restricted configuration of being. Even if the zygote as a new organism comes to be, it will not, of course, continue forever to be. At some point it will die, possibly quite abruptly. The physical changes in the organism when it dies can appear to be relatively slight, but the ontological change could not be more profound. Following death, many parts of what had been the organism's body may continue to be, and to be at work continuing to be for some time, but they will no longer be at work as organs, because there will no longer be an organism. Tapto's artificial Artifactual example is the following. Contemplating what to cook for breakfast, I may narrow my choices to oatmeal and an omelet. If I choose to make the omelet, I have, in one terminology, determined the essence of the beer that will come to be if I succeed in making it. I can have before me all of the ingredients I will use, eggs and, say, sausage, onion, and cheese, and the butter with which I will coat the frying pan, 
And if I proceed, what omelet will come to be, if an omelet comes to be, is highly determinate. But there is not yet an omelet, and nothing about the possible omelet's essence or wetness determines whether or not it will come to be. What have come to be already are the ingredients, with their constituents jointly at work enabling them to continue to be, and I myself the potential chef. If I opt for the omelet rather than the oatmeal, and if I successfully follow the requisite procedures, the ingredients will begin to work together in such a way that, soon thereafter, an omelet will begin to be. But the beginning to be is the beginning of the omelet. There is no omelet until the omelet be. The omelet I imagine or envisage before I have made it is not a beer, and it is not engaged in being. My engagement in being includes my imagining or envisaging the omelet, but if I am only imagining or envisioning it, its being is exhausted by its being imagined or envisaged. Not so with the omelet that has come to be. After I have eaten the omelet, of course, the omelet no longer be, but its constituents continue to be, as they, or at least some of them, are reconfigured temporarily as constituents of my body. <laughs>